On this episode of Don't Panic, we talk about streaming games, whether it's PlayStation Now or EA Access. We also talk about Google's barges being sold off. What a bummer. Uh, we also talk about Google Plus to spin off photos, the rise of the standalone app, and some media picks, movies, TVs, and video games. It's a don't miss episode of Don't Panic, and it comes up now. This is Don't Panic, episode number 58, recorded August 4th, 2014. On all the games, Scrapped Barges, and the Standalone app. Hello and welcome to this edition of Don't Panic, the technology podcast uh, that stars us. I'm Sean Jennings and I'm joined by the Hansel and Gretel of technology. Uh, leaving breadcrumbs to find their way home, it would of course be Dan Miller and Colby Rabideau. Guys, what's up? Uh, not too much. I'm getting pumped because I'm going to be in New York this week. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I have finished my whirlwind tour of all the porters in the local beer store, and this one's the best. Although, whatever one I had last week was really good, too. I'll have to go back and watch the video, because I'm pretty sure I held it up then. But I think this is better. <laughs> Bell's Quarter. I'm, I'm drinking this Brew Free or Die IPA from 21st Amendment. It's pretty good. It's not as good as their Back in Black IPA. Mm. Uh, that is my personal favorite. That sounds quite IPA-ish. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, they didn't have any of that at, at the store the other day. So, I'm really going outside my comfort zone. I went with water. Oh wow! You can see here in my clear mug. Is that Russian water? This is a uh, Poland Springs, fresh from uh, Poland. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it works that way. Um, <laughs> party's hard. Uh, you bet. Uh, well, thanks everyone out there for joining us. This is Don't Panic. We do this every Monday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, on our website, don'tpanic.io. Uh, you should probably go check out our website. A, it's awesome and built by these two guys. But on there, you get all the links to the cool stuff we do, including how to find us on iTunes. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Stitcher, RSS, YouTube, follow us, Facebook, Twitter, all the everything. It's all there, so go check it out. Um, and tweet live if you're watching during the show. We want to hear from you. Hashtag don't panic show. We'll be watching it as the show goes on. Who knows? Maybe we'll talk about you. You'll be famous to Dan's mom. Uh, (laughs) Couldn't resist. Uh, Now, before we start, I I did want to mention, I didn't, I probably should have given you guys a heads up because this isn't really fair, but, you know, last week we talked about kind of like our favorite, or two weeks ago, our favorite podcasts uh, Mm -hmm. at the start of the show. And this week I was thinking... When it comes to computer utilities, most people get free versions, right? Very few people actually pay for the full version. But I was thinking if you guys had any kind of computer utilities that you said I absolutely should pay, the, the free version's fine, but you felt it was worth paying the money for. And I didn't know if there was any, and the reason I bring this up is because this week, um, I spent this weekend, my computer, it's about, it's not even a year old, came with a terabyte hard drive. I had an 80% full. I mean, I do so much video stuff and everything, it was so full, so I spent the whole weekend cleaning it out, and I realized there is a utility I could not live without, and I ponied up the cash, and that was uh, C-Cleaner and the Piriform uh, family of utilities. C-Cleaner, formerly known as Crap Cleaner, before they went all PC on us. No <laughs> uh, they're, they're still on Mac. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't think you caught my pun there, Sean. I did not catch your pun. Please well, allow me that. to repeat myself. Sea Cleaner, <laughs> formerly known as Crap Cleaner, before they went all PC on us. Aha. Uh-huh. Politically correct. Yes, but I also... got the innuendo. Uh-huh. 
Um, <laughs> but anyway, I found I've been using the tool for years, and uh, I was a big fan. And I was also using Defragler, which is another program they offer. And they offer a package where you get those two and another uh, file recovery software, a fourth piece of software all for a reasonable price, and uh, I said it was absolutely worth paying for because I use it all the time. And the great thing is if you pay for it, um, you get automatic updating and real-time monitoring. So instead of having to run a scan when you remember it, it will literally pop up and say, we can save your computer a gigabyte worth of hard drive space. Should we run a cleaner? And you hit yes, and it just does it. Um, or every mm. time you close your browser, it'll automatically clean it. So uh, mm. for me, that was really worth it. I didn't know if you guys had any worth uh, oh, yeah. sharing. So along that same vein, Daisy Disk is my OS X version of that, which shows you uh, I could even share my screen, but it might take a while. Uh, I'll show it at the end of the show, but it shows this really cool radial layout of your hard drive with like pie slices of everything mm -hmm. and then slices of those things coming off of that thing like out infinitely so you can see... Like, you can see at a glance if something, a folder is large because it has a bunch of movies in it, or if it's just filled with a bunch of small stuff. So that's pretty cool. I love file visualizers. Yeah. Uh, TweetBot, which we might have talked about on the show mm -hmm. on OS X, uh, worth it. Uh, iStat menus, which I've also picked before to show you at a glance system uh, stuff in the menu bar on the top. Also totally worth it. AirMail, which I oh, also yeah. picked on the show before. Also uh, totally plus, worth it. Plus, plus, plus for the iStat menu. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. OmniFocus for Mac, which I just recently upgraded to version 2, which was just released this uh, past month. I was in the beta, so I got grace period into it for a month, but then they, they cut me off. Uh, <laughs> OmniFocus. Those are all the ones that pop into my head. Those are all the ones I use every day. Well, I don't use Daisy Disk every day, but you reminded me of it. But the other ones, definitely every day. Hmm. Okay. Um, How about you, Colby? So I think you covered a bunch of the ones I use every day, namely iStat menus. I, to be honest, I don't use that many Mac applications on a daily basis. Do you, do you use a Dash? Did you ever pony up for that? Dash is the on offline documentation viewer. No, I for, didn't. It's a good one. Um, I didn't. I didn't actually buy it though. So. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that good. long well i just uh, don't find myself away from the internet all that often that's fair yeah me either um so one one other one that i don't use uh that i do use is it this is not a daily thing but um i use this thing called wi-fi explorer when we were trying to to figure out if our our network woes were be were um because of our ISP or if, if it was because of our, our shitty Airport Express router. Um, turns out it's a little of both, but like Wi-Fi Explorer is this really cool program. It costs like $3 on the Mac App Store. It's $2.99. Um, and it shows, you, it shows you all the Wi-Fi networks in range of your computer and like their signal strength. And it has these crazy visualizations and you can see like, what channels what networks are on and you can kind of try and like like squeeze your network on in a in a low band space and stuff um in general it's it's like kind of useful if you're doing something like that uh if you're not it's also just kind of cool to look at if you live in a place where there's a lot of wi-fi networks uh like yep. i do there are there are like 
There are literally probably like 50. There are so many. Uh, what um, was that called again? It's called Wi-Fi Explorer. If you Google it, it should come yeah. up. Cool. Uh, so I got my uh, Daisy Disk results, so I can show you those real quick. So here's the view. Here's the top. Whoop. Here you go. Whoop. Here's the top level view. Uh, so I can click through. I can see here what the different things are. This is my home directory. And then in here, turns out that uh, pictures take up a lot of space. Right? How do I get to pictures? Pictures. And I can see, ah, oh, that's just a bunch of big files. Uh, what's this? And so this is like, ah, Steam is a bunch of small files. So it's a lot of fun to look at. Uh, the other one I forgot that I bought that uh, is this thing called iNet, which is useful if you use any of Apple's... Uh... Oh, it's not even showing up on my thing. Oh, here it is. Apple's networking stuff. So it's like uh, the Airport Utility++, Plus Plus, so you can see all the hosts on your network. This is my PS4, my Raspberry Pi. You can do some crazy things in here. Uh, all sorts of stuff. Super that awesome. Cool. Yeah, iNet. I think it was. It wasn't that much. It was only a couple dollars too. Yeah, uh, and I'll I'll just follow that up by I think I've actually picked it twice on the show, and that tells you mm -hmm. how much I I use it. Uh, I use it to do the show. Uh, DVD Video Soft, which is a package of various video audio converters, YouTube downloaders, all this kind of. It's like a thousand tools in one, and I use it literally every week so um i've been a big fan of that but i think it's i think it's cool to talk about things like this and how important it is to you know if you really like an app and use it all the time it doesn't really hurt to pay for it um because you get your money's worth yeah. that's true we support developers developers who should be watching change mode uh on the coffee change of your mode. podcast network if you're interested in isomorphic javascript <laughs> uh, you should check out last week's show it's available at coffeeandbeer.tv um, all right, enough shameless plugs uh, and wasting time. Let's get into the news. Uh, any story you guys want to talk about first? Hmm. It's. I wouldn't call it a huge week for news, but some interesting. Can we talk about streaming games. We can talk about games. We got two interesting game stories this week, both kind of aiming towards that subscription model. And we'll start as Colby brought up with the uh, streaming. So we've talked about it on the show before. PlayStation Now. The idea, kind of a, a takeoff on on live, if you're familiar with that. But this idea that why play a game on your own device when the game can be played on a server and you just send it commands from your controller. So you're not doing the processing in-house, you're doing it somewhere else. Well, Sony decided they're actually going to do it. They bought the service called uh, Gaikai. Gaikai? Gaikai? Yeah. <laughs> They bought that a couple years ago, um, and they decided to fold it in, and they announced uh, PlayStation Now. Actually, I think at CES, or at least kind of more information about it, but now it's started to go out to reviewers and starting to roll into beta um, for super select people. Um, currently, the library only exists of PlayStation 3 games. Um, I imagine that's going to uh, expand. But... Well, so I've, I've had this thing for a while. Okay. I've been beta testing it. And Great. it works well, really well. But it, as far as I can tell, the exactly what's happening is you connect to this remote data center and you log on to a PlayStation 3. 
<laughs> you have access to like the system menu and everything and you also get your notifications like notifications aren't native on your screen anymore they they are streamed it's just like remote desktop playstation 3 but it's really good remote desktop there's very little lag and everything works really well but i it would not be just as easy as putting some ps4s in there they'd probably have to i mean it it'd be pretty easy at this point you'd just be like streaming a ps4 instead but uh it's not super complicated it's and, just a ps4 in a rack or a ps3 in a rack so then let me ask dan you know how how have the you said the quality has been good and you haven't had a lot of lag but you also have a pretty decent bandwidth i do i do and they, it actually makes you test your connection every time you turn it on because they probably don't want you to have a terrible experience yeah. uh so they make you test it and they also tell you before you test it to plug it into the ethernet because that does cut down on a couple milliseconds of lag which is pretty noticeable in like a first person shooter or something like that yeah yeah i remember on the like online would do that like it always tested your connection before you did it and like it wasn't up to snuff you're out <laughs> yeah is it uh, so uh dan like do you like it like good yeah pro con? i i what would games uh, do you play on there so they don't have like an amazing selection i played the mo game i played the most was probably this like off-road bmx racing game which i thought <laughs> was the most challenging of the games they had on there i also played this like top-down uh shooter thing uh i think it was plants vs zombies i think or something like that and i also played this uh turn-based pirate game the turn-based pirate ship game is like the ideal situation where the input lag doesn't matter at all but mm -hmm. the granted i hadn't played the original of the the uh off-road motocross one but it felt really good. I, at no point did I feel like, ah, oh, this is such a, like, a drag. If there was any lag, I had to really focus to detect it. Yep. Otherwise, I didn't notice it. And the, the image is not perfect. Like, it's a little blurry around, like, corners and stuff. Like, you, can, you can tell that it's not native, but mm -hmm. I think that's a fair trade for playing it immediately especially if it's something you don't care about necessarily graphical quality wise or something like a ps3 game you just want to play in your ps4 because that's all you have or right. uh if you're just trying it out you just want to try out the game for a couple hours before you know if you want to buy it i think that's totally totally a good trade-off yeah cool yeah i think I think it's good to see that the 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 quality is there because that was one of our big questions. I know when we talked about it around CES was can they actually pump games through these pipes? Sony recommends at least five to twelve megabits uh, steady broadband, um, which covers a lot of people. Um, but what's interesting to me is the cost side of this. So yeah, you know it, it's certainly not cheap. You know, uh, Polygon writes, you know, to rent a game, Darksiders, uh, a game that's been practically given away uh, to PC owners over the years, uh, you can pay $14.99 for 90 days, $7.99 for 30 days, $5.99 for 5 days, or $4.99 for 4 hours of play. <laughs> yeah, that one's just stupid. 
The four hours of play should always be free. Imagine that, because one-time use only, four hours free, and just like uh, iTunes, once you start the movie or game is when your rental period starts. So you could play for 15 minutes, and then four hours later, your four-hour rental is expired. Uh, so I think that they should make the lower ends pretty cheap. Uh, the thing that I was really excited for this, though, is not even so much that I would ever want. I would probably want to rent some games, and I'd be willing to pay more than the... Are there any video game, physical video game rental places left? No. Gamefly will still mail them to you. Okay. What what is what is Gamefly's pricing like? I would I be no willing idea. to pay more than them to stream it, but what I really want is when I buy the game, I just keep playing or I start streaming and it's downloading in the background, and that requires you know a, a you know a whole mess of bandwidth. Uh, but I should be able to maybe decide like I'm gonna buy this game now. I could stream it forever. Mm-hmm. And then, like, when I stop playing it for the night, I can set it to download, and it'll come down, and then I don't have to stream it anymore. That's that's what I really want. I mean, yeah, I I think the streaming model isn't really... The streaming game model isn't really built for someone who has owned every single copy of Madden and is definitely going to buy the next one and wants the collector's pack with the discs. I mean, that's not... I think this could be a really interesting model, sort of like what Netflix, and I hate to compare it to Netflix because everyone friggin' does, but, you know, this Netflix idea of all this kind of backlog content that's been sitting collecting dust, they tried selling TV on DVD and no one bought it because no one wanted, you know, 38 discs of Seinfeld, Um, (laughs) and instead put it online, and it's better to get some money than no money. You know, why why overcharge for a game you can get used at GameStop for half the price? Instead, get people excited to use the games, and then I think the assumption would be the more time they spend on their PlayStations, regardless of what they're doing, at some point will result in more money for Sony. Right. Do you know, what's the uh, month-long uh, price? Seven ninety nine for 30 days? Yeah. So that's better than Gamefly. Gamefly at your best would get you eleven dollars at the highest tier per game per month. But that's as many games as you want as long as you send them back. No, that's two games a month at twenty three dollars a month. Oh, cash. okay. Okay. Yeah. So eleven dollars a game ish. But those are also new releases. Yeah, yeah. That's true. You know, if the, if these were the prices for Madden twenty five or you know, a brand new game that just came out, I, I could buy that. Yeah. But it's, you know, people have said Sony is rumored to be moving, looking at a subscription model. It wouldn't surprise me if these were just kind of beta prices and testing the market to see what fl- what works and what doesn't. Um, yeah. I, I don't want Sony to give their content away, but I think you have to look at streaming differently. And I think the video game industry has to come to terms with what the movie and television industry did years ago, which was you can't charge an absurd amount for a season of a, of a television show, or people won't buy a digital movie for fourteen ninety nine, but they will rent it for five ninety nine. 
and and they'll get there. They'll get there. I, I'm glad to hear the technology works because that's yeah. the difficult thing to fix, right? All they have to right. do to change prices is they snap their fingers and they do it. They can't rebuild an entire <laughs> server farm or whatever. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm sure the game yeah. publishers are just like, yeah, sure, do it. Right. I feel like it's a it's a like low commitment way to get people into other stuff. But I think, I think it's, Dan is. I think you're also correct in that the four hours should be free. At, at least, least once. Once, yeah, yeah, the first. Maybe not all the time, but like make that the default. Because this used to be how it was on on PC. You'd always like demos. Why bother spending all this time making a separate cut of the game? And putting it on these discs and putting mm -hmm. them in magazines and putting them on the store and vetting it and making sure that there's nothing, you know, too much in there that someone can get into. Why not just cap it at four hours? You don't have to worry about spending all your engineers' time on that stuff. You just give them the full game. They get four hours. You're getting money either way. Either they pony up a whole lot of money to keep playing it four hours at a time or they buy the game. Yeah. And I think the other thing, too, we're missing... There's a component missing here, which is this is not really designed to be played on your brand new PlayStation 4. This is designed to be played on devices who can't power games themselves. That's where you're really going to get the value, right? So when Maybe. you can play it on your Sony TV without plugging anything into it, or when you can play it on your set-top box, or when you can play full-sized, full games on your phone or your tablet, I think that's where you're going to see the value. Because in a second we're going to talk about Electronic Arts... I don't see the problem. I don't know why if I had a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox One, why would I stream the game? I would much rather, especially these older games, I can't imagine the file sizes are incredibly outlandish. I'd rather download them and know I'm getting instant feedback and don't have to worry about lagging, don't have to be concerned about my internet connection. And then and then put a, put a timer on that and let the file expire. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the the real... Well, I think the, the thing that this solves that, that you kind of glazed over in that is that there are a bunch of games that are never going to work on the PS4 because mm -hmm. they were only released on the PS3. That's the problem this solves in my mind. Is like, I want to go play this PS3 game, but I have a PS4, so I can't ever play this game. Um, that's not the case if I can stream it. True. Yeah. Colby, that is exactly right, and I feel dumb I didn't think of that point. You nailed me on I that. Feel, I, I feel like someone else said this already. Probably. <laughs> and, well, it's and, it's nostalgia but, factor. People love crap yeah. like that. You know, how right. many people do you oh, know that and, play, like, Roller Coaster Tycoon and, like, these old games? People love stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, isn't that one of Wii's biggest moneymakers? Is there a channel store or something where you can play, like... Not just old Wii games, but just old, flat-out old Nintendo games. Oh, yeah, Nintendo's been making money off their old games for years. Yeah. That's, like, my my roommates and I recently all sat around in the living room and watched my one roommate play, like, Resident Evil 1 on, like, a, a PlayStation emulator. <laughs> it, was, it was a blast. <laughs> it was it's scary. <laughs> and hard it was really hard actually yeah those controls you don't yeah you don't want that no no it's bad news well on the flip side going from playstation to xbox 
Electronic Arts, uh, multiple-time winner, worst company of uh, ever, <laughs> uh, has uh, come out with a new service, a bit of a surprise, called EA Access. And what it is is an all-you-can-eat uh, video game subscription service for $4.99 a month or $29.99 a year. Uh, it's available on the Xbox One, currently in beta, but will be available to everyone soon. Uh, during the beta, it supports four titles, FIFA 14, Madden NFL 25, Peggle 2, and Battlefield 4, although uh, they say they're going to continue to add games. Uh, they haven't specifically said how many games will be available, what games will be available. They did say that the service will get you early access to uh, demo upcoming titles, uh, including uh, the sports titles as they come out, the new Dragon Age game, up to five days ahead of launch. Uh, EA subscribers will get... 10% off when buying EA games through Xbox One Store. Um, and these are not streamed. These are, you know, locally hosted, downloaded, and then uh, played off your machine games as part of the subscription service. So, I mean, what do you guys think of this versus a PlayStation Now or, or just even on its own? That's not streaming, right? That's just you download the game through the Xbox Store? Right. Gotcha. I I mean, it's cool. It's like the other half of it, right? That's what we want, but with the streaming thing. The, the streaming thing is what really gets me excited. If there's a frictionless way to play a new game immediately and give them money, that's where the real win is. I'm not going to pay EA a monthly fee to spend eight hours downloading their game that I might not like, you know? Especially because it's EA. And it, I, I think, well, and, but on the other hand, EA is one of the few gaming companies, I don't actually know that much about the gaming industry, but I think it's one of the few where they even have a big enough catalog to mm-hmm. pull something like that off. Like, Blizzard couldn't have a monthly game subscription. They only have, like, eight games total. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ever. That's a fair point. Yeah. It is, like, the... The barrier to playing a new game is kind of high, like especially if your internet connection is not like amazing. Right. Um, like I downloaded a new game this weekend, and I mean it took like four hours to download ten gigs of like crap so I could start playing. I will say the fact that I did not ha- I could start playing before it downloaded the entire forty five gigs or whatever was pretty awesome. <laughs> yes, I'm um, so glad the PS4 has that. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. However, we can it take it to the next level. Time. Yeah, yes, yeah. it could be better. It could be like Spotify style, where if it's like downloading that song, that song will like download as I listen to it. That's what I want. You could make it peer to peer. And then you're streaming the content from other people. You're never mind. <laughs> you're you're overthinking this a little bit. Um, well, that's Spotify is peer to peer, right? But they're serving static like that. Like, I guess you could work it where you're like streaming the game assets themselves from other people's yeah. computers. <laughs> that would be crazy, though. Very crazy. That would, that would be insane. For me, I think this is awesome because I can't tell you how many times over the last couple months my finger has hovered over Amazon, one click, PlayStation or Xbox, and I think oh, like, man. oh, Colby and Dan have them. It'll be fun. We'll play games. Destiny. We'll be buddies. 
And then I think I will never buy, I will never be able to justify $60 in a game because I have such a short attention span and I'm terrible at video games that I will buy one, say this is stupid, and I will never use it. But I think I could justify the upfront hardware cost for a $4.99 a month subscription service that has the latest games on it. And the back catalog. I think the back catalog well, is key there, too. And I think that's what's interesting when you're comparing and contrasting Sony and PlayStation, uh, and Xbox, right? Because they have both sides of, of the same coin, right? Sony has the legacy titles streaming, and Xbox has the new titles on subscription. Imagine if those right. were together, right? Yeah, that would be yeah. like, boom! Right. I agree. Um, so I, I think this is really cool. I'd be curious to see uh, what games they're going to add and how they're going to update them. But, you know, even if you wanted Battlefield 4 and Madden NFL 25, I mean, they're, what, 50 bucks each? You know, r- right away you're at $100, regardless of how much you like or don't like the game. Or you That's could true. pay four ninety nine for a month and decide you like or not like them. I will say I got the MLB game and I don't like it at all. That's the... It takes, you, know, the you know, it takes so long to load. Like, starting a game takes forever. Like minutes, many minutes, many <laughs> minutes. For shame. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's uh, let's move on. Uh, get off of video games and onto something else. Any? Uh, what would you guys like to talk about next? Any uh, specific request here? We can well, talk about uh, Google Plus. Let's do that. Google Plus. Oh, everyone loves Google Plus. Uh, are you? You guys, I know big Actually, Google Plus you know users. What? Let's do the let's do the Google Barge first. All right, the, we'll do we'll do back to because back the, the Google Plus one has a beautiful segue into the last story that's just too good to pass up. Okay, Dan, um, yeah. you're just good thing someone's <laughs> in charge. Always, always thinking ahead. Um, <laughs> those of you out there may remember uh, when Google mysteriously bought a two barges, um, and were building something on them and wouldn't last tell October. anybody. Yeah, didn't know what what was going on. They had one floating off of. Uh, the California coast and one floating off the main coast. It was in San Francisco, right? It was it was in San Francisco, and then I think they moved it to Portland, uh, where it's been for now. But I thought that was Portland, Maine, and they were talking about the main one. But they moved it to Portland, Oregon. No, they moved it to Portland, Maine. I'm sorry. It was uh, the West Coast one was moored off San Francisco's Treasure Island. There you go, good old Treasure Island. Um, well, it was reported by the Portland Press-Herald, everyone's favorite main news source, uh, <laughs> that Google has sold off one of its barges and it is uh, being dismantled for the scrapyard. Um, the barges was holding up the mysterious four-story structured uh, Google eventually planning to use it as a, quote, interactive space where people can learn about new technology. Um, Google confirmed that it sold the barge off, but would not say what was happening to the other one. Um, Google's paid for the California barge to be docked there through October. Uh, so at least it's paid for, so we probably won't see it move until then. <laughs> um, but yeah, no one knows. There, there were a lot, there was another report back in March. Company was looking for, uh, real estate in Soho in New York city to put together a store. I mean, Who I was Google. Oh. To do retail. Uh, well, they the... they have. Do they have any other retail stores? Do they have retail stores at all? No. They I... had in New York. They had their Winter Wonderland or whatever. The pop ups. But it was like it, they took like all of Bryant Park 
Mm -hmm. And they had this whole, like, igloo with all these different tables inside with Chromebooks and Android tablets and Android phones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what uh, the Microsoft did the same thing when they did the uh, the Surface launch as well. They did a series of uh, pop-up stores. Right, but Microsoft has actual stores, too. Google does not have actual right. stores, physical stores. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this was supposedly their their big push, but I mean, I, I, this story is so bizarre. I can't even fairly ask you what does this mean. I'm disappointed. I wanted to see him build something and float it out in the ocean. I wanted what? to go on it. Would you have hung out on the Google barge? I don't know if I had to hang out there. I certainly would have gone. And what, that's do you like think what they get? That's like every store wants you to want to go there. Do you think it would have been better or worse than the Samsung experience? Oh, it, it would have to be better. It would have to be better. Oh, that was so bad. I, I've said this before and I'll say it again because it's just such an apt analogy. It was like walking into a rap music video. Just giant, shiny th things that look like they should be expensive but are actually like terrible knockoffs just everywhere everywhere it was so gaudy <laughs> but instead you'd, you'd rather hang out on the floating barge totally because people would have store. like people with glasses on and like sergey brin would be there nerding out well that's <laughs> that's my thing right there Wow. I don't know how comfortable I'd feel on the Google barge, to be quite honest, because, you know, Dan, once you're in international waters, you know, those laws, they, they change pretty quick and things Stop, can go downhill. All of a sudden, there'll be a glass implanted in your head. And yeah. What happened you know, to uh, you won't Sergei? Remember anything. Was it Sergey Brin who talked about the Google Island or was that uh, Larry Page? I think that was Larry Page's Google Island. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me. Don't, don't like, between the two of them, they have, like, 20... Jumbo jets or some crazy shit. The TechCrunch title yeah. is Larry Page like wants Earth to have a mad scientist island. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably exactly what it sounds like. Oh, that's right. It was the island where he wanted to try out new laws. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> I love uh, you, you bring up a good point. Now, after reading what that article actually was about, maybe I will not go on the Google barge. You're telling me you don't want to go on the Google barge where they make up new laws to test and see how well they work? Because that sounds great. A-B test laws. The, the West Coast yeah. barge gets one set of laws, and then the East Coast barge gets another set, and you see what, like, the mortality rate is after three months. Now you're talking... Now this is an HBO show. <laughs> no, no, no. Now the just, barges? Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they float the seas fighting each other? Yeah. Battling yeah. for tech supremacy? I'd You're watch right. that. You're right. That is HBO and not, like, some stupid movie. What was that movie where they, like, they took all the prisoners in prison and just had them kill each other in these killer, like, road derbies? Oh. Yes, I do! <laughs> what movie was that? And there's oh, so God. many movies like that. There's been a couple of the other <sighs> one where there's that day where everyone just beats the shit out of each other. There's that movie. Oh, The Purge? Yeah, yeah, it's all these movies, and they're all the same premise. Dan, you're thinking of the 2008 film Death Race, starring yeah, Jason Statham. Jason <laughs> Statham. As, okay, I, I just have to read the movie description here, okay? Yeah, Jason sure. Statham stars as ex-con Jensen Ames, who's forced by the warden of a notorious prison to compete in <laughs> our post-industrial world's most popular sport, 
a car race in which inmates must brutalize and kill one another on the road to victory. <laughs> exactly. And you're saying that's what would have happened on the Google Barge. No, that's what the HBO showed me. <laughs> I I I just think I just think of I'm starting to think this is like Google's most elaborate April Fools joke they've ever done. That would have been the great. Barge. The barge. That would have been great. Like we spend millions of dollars just to psych everyone out. <laughs> Because how could this have ever been a good idea? I mean, how much do barges yeah. cost? Maybe it was really cheap. Well, no, For the, Google, the, anything's cheap. They said, it's it's not exorbitantly expensive, but they said in taxes alone, um, uh, it, the Portland barge brought the city of Portland a reported $400,000 in property taxes over the past 10 months. $400,000. Nothing. Pennies. Google made $50 billion in 2012. That that's just change in Sergey's pocket. That's nothing. Yeah. Seriously, no. They should have done something with it. Uh, how is it wow. not a good idea? If you have over fifty billion dollars a year, you could spend like a couple hundred thousand of that on some crazy ideas. I'm just, I'm just. Yeah, but like, okay, like uh, a a contact lens that measures your your glucose level, a yeah. self driving car. These yeah. are crazy things you should spend your yeah. money on. A floating barge to show off your products? Like, couldn't you just get a retail store? They but could build... Think of the retail floating, store they could build. Sean. It's floating. But if you think about it, like... I don't... Whatever. I, I just... It's just it's just such a stupid idea. I'm sorry. Like, Google, I enjoy the laughter of you doing crazy things, but I cannot get over... Just... A barge? Really? All right, all right, all right. I know. All right, I'm getting worked up. <laughs> it's just, Calm it's down. just silly. I know. Google. It, it gets me all kinds of hot and bothered. And, uh, and Col Colby, just so you know, the Samsung Experience Store is still open. If you uh, yes. want to experience the, uh, I think experience you should bring a camera yourself. and do a remote. Don't panic. And I, it's <laughs> and not the Samsung location. Experience Store. It's the Samsung Galaxy Studio in Soho. My apologies. <laughs> Samsung's the worst. It has four and a half out of five stars on Yelp. One dollar sign, though. Yeah, how many people do you think... How many uh, people they do they pay for that? Um, honestly, I, I would much rather go on the Google Barge than the Samsung Galaxy Studio. I will say that. Yeah, see? that's Because that's at least that's on Google, Google, you're going to have fun. <laughs> yeah, and not just be kind of sad. Um, Alright, let's move on from just crazy to uh, more Google, but we're going to talk about Google+. Plus. Uh, everyone knows and loves Google+. Plus. Um, well, uh, there's been a question since uh, Vic Gundrota... Gun, Gundotra. Okay. Uh, head of Google Plus left the company in April, and there's kind of been a question as, well, what's the future for Google Plus? Well, uh, Bloomberg is reporting that Google is planning to make the existing Google Plus photo features into an independent product. Yes, indeed. Uh, no, just regular Bloomberg. Okay, okay. Uh, that they're going to spin Google Plus photo features into an independent product that'll be accessible even to users who don't have a Google Plus account. Okay. Now, first of all, I cannot imagine Google would release a product that would not integrate with your Google Plus account. Oh, I'm sure it would integrate with it. It just wouldn't require it. 
But but name one other Google product that doesn't require you to have a Google account. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That would suck. Like, I don't know. Maybe, the way I'm imagining you're... it. Go ahead. The way I'm imagining it working is, it's just like it does now, except a standalone thing. Because the Google Plus Photos is really awesome. It's just kind of weird because it's in Google Plus. If Photos was a standalone picture life competitor where you just upload all your photos unlimited storage for free which is what google plus is everyone would use it but because it's part of google plus no one thinks to use it or they don't realize they're using it Every, a lot of people turn yeah. it on their phones and then they're like oh no where'd my photos go and it's like well they're backed up to google plus but that sentence doesn't even make sense to most people it's like isn't that a social network it's like well <laughs> no yes but no it depends if you define a social network as something people use. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Zing. Sick burn. Uh, so, yeah, I, I I, would like it. If if they split it off, I would use it way more for whatever reason. I'm sure but, I would. But do you use a, a photo service now? I use Picture Life, which I think I picked on the show before. You did. Yes. And I promptly forgot. There you go. So it's that they good. recently upgraded their plans too. I don't know if that was before or after I picked it, uh, but now you get more for all the tiers, and the top tier is unlimited. Oh, uh, it's not bad. I I want to like Picture Life, but their Android app is really not good, uh, which makes me sad. But it's probably my fault for having Android. <laughs> you said it, not me. Though I was thinking about saying it. No, let's be real. I'm probably going to get an iPhone in. <laughs> yeah. Smart. Uh, the, th the three of us are all going to be on our new iPhones in no time. It tells you what we think. Yeah. Um, it was a fun field trip, but like... I'm you're ready to get off the bus? Field trip. <laughs> the oh, there's a, there's a short bus joke to be made here. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think... The problem is, I I question how to get people to care about their photos, because in an age of Instagram and Snapchat, where people don't care about the longevity of their photos, or I don't think they do, or at least they don't realize they do, I'm going to keep prefacing yeah. this until I basically wash away my argument, but <laughs> um, I think, I don't think... I think that's why Flickr, I mean, Flickr, I think, is a great service. I've used it. I've never really had any problems with it. They give you a, what, a terabyte of storage. Um, a terabyte? Yeah, Flickr is good. But I, no one gets excited about it unless you're somebody who's a photographer or has children and want to keep all the photos. I think your average user just, I, I have pile, I use um, Carousel via Dropbox to back up all my photos, but I never end up sharing any of them, really, rarely. Otherwise, they go straight to Instagram. So... Yeah. You know, it's cool, and I love the Google+, Plus, the auto-awesome stuff, the stories features. If you've ever used any of kind of the ancillary stuff, rather than just the pure hosting side, they're really good tools, and they work really well. But I just don't know if people are like, man, I'm so excited to use a photo service. You know, I think everyone's just, I'm just uploading my photo to social media, and what happens after that, I don't care. Or I could be wrong. Probably am. Hmm. I yeah, think... I, I've encountered this, and I was confused. I th yeah, people, they, I, th I suspect, but and some of you probably maybe can confirm this, 
that most people just take pictures on their phone and never take them off. They're just mm-hmm. always on the phone. And then when they get a new phone, then their pictures are just on their old phone now. <laughs> no, so what happens is people take pictures on their phone and they don't take them off until their phone runs out of space and they have to take some of them off. And then they go back through and delete a bunch of pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, so I, I think, at least thinking about my personal usage, I have like two kinds of photos that I take. There are like photos I take when I'm like on vacation and things I might care about again someday. And then there are all the other photos I take, which I either share to social media or I just don't do anything with. And like those photos I don't care about, but there are some photos that I take in certain situations that are like, I take like deliberately to like record that moment in time. And those photos I care about, and those are the photos that I, like, want. Now, it turns out, like, for me, generally speaking, I don't take enough photos to, like, even have to pay for something like Picture Life. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> also, I usually upload my photos to Facebook. Like, the photos I want to keep. And I don't know, I don't know if it's, like, that's a reasonable thing to, like think that those are going to be there forever but i i I, yeah i think the value in this service would come from either one of two things either they make it impossibly easy to just throw all your files in a cloud and you don't care about them being organized and you just want them there and you don't want to think about it and when your phone dies or you drop it in a toilet google has all your photos or I think there would be value in a service that was all about sharing photos because something like Flickr is really built to store photos, right? Most of these services are. Uh, I think Flickr was primarily built built to share photos, and they built the storage thing in later. I mean, I just know I Flickr is like a photography community, really. Like, if you want to post a picture and have photographers see it, you put it on Flickr. Right, but it's a self-contained social network. I'm saying there needs to be a service that, and I know I don't think you could even do this, but I I want a one-click to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, share everywhere, single filter, single link back, uh, a central repository for your photos. I I think there's value in that. I just think... That app doesn't exist? I did look for an, an iPhone app that would do this because we talked about it before and they it doesn't exist. So, <laughs> maybe. Because, like, <laughs> Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, they don't just want you posting pictures to their service willy-nilly that aren't, like... You're totally right. Well, so, like, I mean, I think, I think the other thing is that, like, that's not... That, that may be how, like the three of us use those things but that's not how most people use like like facebook and instagram like facebook and instagram are like different things for most people it's like right. different audiences different like you post different pictures to instagram than you post to facebook and you post no i agree you send with, different I do, pictures I agree. on snapchat like i don't think i don't think normal people want to post one picture to all of those things i think that's I, fair. well then yeah go ahead well, there are certain pictures I want to post in multiple places. That's fair. And 
I want, I don't want the Instagram version, because right now Instagram is the only one that really does this. I don't want the Instagram version, because that's like the least common denominator. I don't want it cropped to some stupid square. As much as you think that's great, Instagram, I took my photo landscape for a reason. And, and I, I think a good example is I, I think it's not uncommon. I, when I take an Instagram photo, I usually share it on Twitter, right? Makes sense. The problem is uh, Instagram doesn't work with their cards preview service. So the photo won't show up in line. It'll only show up as a link. Right. So I have an ift recipe set up where take a photo on Instagram. It will then take the photo URL, convert it to pick.twitter.com. And it will embed that so it becomes an inline preview. See, there's value in that, right? It's getting these services to work together. But as we talk about this, I just, and maybe this is my opinion as I realize it, I don't think the majority of people need any kind of photo management service whatsoever because I don't think they want it. Down the road, they might. I mean, I, I know I worked for, you know, uh, a year plus in an archive, and after about 2000, the archive stopped. There was just nothing. It just stopped because everything was digital. Yeah. Nobody bothered to keep records. Nobody bothered to do it. was just all there digital. And one day that's going to suck. But I think today I just, you know, I, I think I think more people might use it than Google Plus. But I don't know if it's really its savior. Uh, I'm not very optimistic. No, but I, yeah. I think it would be more popular than it is. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that's the best part of Google Plus is the photo stuff. Yep. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. And, yeah, and Hangouts. So I'd like to see them succeed. And I think I think throwing in something like unlimited storage, uh, Amazon Prime's doing that if you use the Fire Phone. Um, and I, I think that's, you know, one terabyte on Flickr, I think that would be good value as well. It's already unlimited, though. Well, on Google+, Plus, yeah. Right. Oh, actually, it says you have 15 gigabytes of free storage, but you have to, like, go to Google Help thing. Mm. Well, in um, storage, is, you can get, I think, what is it, like a buck ninety nine a month for 100 gigabytes? I mean, it's it's relatively cheap on Google. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on in the interest of time. We got one more story. Dan, I know you're excited to talk about this one. Yeah. Uh, this is a story from TechCrunch, uh, and the headline is Why Standalone Apps Are Supposed to Fail. Um, and they talk about this recent thing and we've talked about on the show and the idea of the kind of spin-off standalone app. Uh, examples of which you may be familiar with would be Facebook Slingshot, Instagram Bolt, Dropbox Carousel. Um, there are other examples as well. Uh, Twitter Music might be a good example. Um, Did we say Swarm yet? Well, Swarm Swarm, is, Swarm was a split. It wasn't really a spinoff. Because it took is, away features from the core app. That is a unique case. Yeah. Um, but what this article, and, and it's a really good article, and I actually recommend people read it, uh, but I'm going to sum it up quickly uh, as best I can. With their their basic theory being that it's good for these standalone apps to like poke Facebook poke being an example to have tried and failed um, because a as not being part of the core Facebook app it can fail 
and not detract from the experience, distract users, or create a complicated experience. Rather, it can fail on its own and just kind of disappear. Mm-hmm. However, if it succeeds, it's a good testing ground to prove the case, and it's something that can then later be folded into an app. The argument being that why experiment within your already successful and popular app and risk failure, then create a second side app that you can then fold back in. Facebook Camera is a good example of this, where it was a standalone app, Facebook tried some cool things with it, and then eventually folded it back into their own app. Uh, okay. (laughs) No, go ahead. So, I see, like, I think half of that is correct, like, I think the... It makes it, like what you're saying about like the the price of failure is pretty low i think that's true um what i i'm unsure of is like whether or not the eventual goal for these things is to like fold it back into the main experience i don't know if that's the case it doesn't i'm not sure like well, with something like I mean, slingshot i don't i i don't see the like how does that get folded back into facebook i guess and how does me- like Maybe what about does. Messenger? Is that a standalone app? Yeah. Um, but that's not yeah, going to get well, folded back in. They just pulled it out. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. That's that's. I feel like that's more the swarm case where it's like the point is to bring it, pull it out. But I, th- <laughs> I'm gonna have to do a supercut of every time we say pull out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, went there. But, uh, no, and Colby, I think you're exactly Natural right. family planning. You know, the, the other side is... <laughs> these companies... <laughs> yeah, suspense, you like that. Um, the other side is that it's becoming increasingly expensive for companies to acquire. Uh, you know, we joke every time that a, a WhatsApp is 16 Instagrams, but... You know, it's continuing to get expensive to acquire these. And part of this theory of the standalone app is that you can quickly create an app in a space where you may want to acquire and see how it does against the competitor. Because best case scenario, your app takes off, eclipses that company you were going to buy for a billion dollars, and suddenly you just saved yourself a billion dollars, right? Worst case scenario... It fails, and you still end up buying them anyway. But at least you tried, right? And I, I think that's kind of the theory, especially with Poke. I mean, obviously, a answer to Snapchat. Um, but Facebook at the time would have had to have spent a billion dollars to, to buy it. Um, you know, did they miss the boat on that? Yes. Um, <laughs> but in an alternate reality, if Poke had been successful and had taken off... You know, I, I just, I think this is really interesting, and I just think, I, I like this strategy. I really do, because I get annoyed when services kind of force new features on users, especially when I feel they haven't been properly, I don't want to say tested, but haven't aren't really built to reflect the user. You know, it's something, oh, we're just trying because our competitors are doing it, or, oh, we're just doing it because we think it's the future, but we don't really know. Um, But to me, it makes sense to do it as a separate app. Because something like, um, I don't know if you guys have used Carousel, Dropbox's kind of standalone photo app. 
No, um, I haven't. It's, Is it good? It's not great. Um, again, I don't really care about photos. We just talked about it, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, this is this is totally random. Thinking more about photos, like I think like there's there are there are no photo apps that I like want right now. But I want something to do something with my photos. I just don't know what it is. So someone solve my problem, please. <laughs> this is a, this is a plea. So what don't you like about Picture Life? I don't not like oh, the, it. Like the I, Android app. I mean, right. the app's not good, but like objectively, I don't really have to use the app to benefit from Picture Life. I think their website's fine. Um, but like, I just want, I want, like, it's nice that it's like a backup of all my photos, but like, I want something. I don't know. Maybe I just need to go on it. Have you used Picture Life? Like, uploaded photos to it? Yeah. Okay. So it, you get like a whole photo management thing through the web interface. But I think the iOS experience is much better because when you plug your phone in, you offload all your photos to iPhoto, and then they automatically get uploaded. Whereas Android doesn't really have that. You just, as far as I can see, the well, best solution so the for Android, Android is Google Plus like automatically backs up. Okay. Yeah, like all the I, like I haven't opened Picture Life in in a while. But like all my photos that I up, that I took since then are are on Picture Life now, mm -hmm. uh, which is pretty nice actually. I'm enjoying that. I guess it is. It's like iPhoto except I don't not annoying. Like right, it just worked. Yeah. <laughs> huh. All right. Well, uh, the jury's still out. I'll I'll revisit this Picture Life stuff. All right. See you. See if I'm 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 still unimpressed. Colby is not impressed. I think to to just kind of wrap up the standalone app story. I just I really like when companies try out new things. I don't like when they screw up their existing app to do it. And I think, and I know that was a loaded statement, but I think. <laughs> that because i saw a look on colby's face but i i know the... oh I, I i was just looking at pictures i wasn't even listening to you uh -huh. <laughs> great. really promising good to know uh. um but i just think it's really cool to see companies trying new things and i think facebook's uh paper app is a really great example of a really good app that they could have never really kind of built into the could have launched as a new Facebook app. I think too many people would have automatically said, oh, it's too different, I hate it, I don't want it, and you know this is confusing, and there would have been all this press about it, and Facebook would have pulled back and said, wait, no, we changed our mind, we'll roll it out slowly. But by doing it as its own separate app, it's taken time to curate, to get better over time. Will it become Facebook someday? Who knows? Does it matter? I just think it's... I just think it's an interesting strategy, and it's cool, and, and I like companies that are willing to, to roll the dice and invest even just a little bit of time and effort to, to try something new. But what about my contention as someone who works on this stuff is it's hard to vet your idea if people are opting into even experiencing it. So for like the new photos flows that they might have tested out in the Facebook photos app, 
there are much fewer people, I guarantee you, using the Facebook Photos app than they were using the Facebook mobile app photo upload. So, yeah. And those people are self-selecting. They're opting into this new experience. So you're not getting a good population of your users that way. Yeah, you're. I mean, you're right in that you're by taking it out of your main experience, you're sacrificing that insta insta users thing. But they're right. also self-selecting. This is like this is why users can't opt out of experiments in modern day websites because if you do, then everyone opts out and you don't get any of the data of the people who maybe you didn't build the product right for them. That's probably mm -hmm. why they're opting out. But if they're not using it then you won't be able to fix it for him but i think that's the difference between testing small groups and testing large groups right i mean you can roll out a feature to a select group of of users of a product and not cause necessary mayhem but i just think if it's kind of the difference between rolling out a test to 100 people or having 50,000 downloads of the paper app and being able to roll a test out to them. Now, yes, are they self-selecting? Sure. Uh, but if they all took the time to download the Facebook camera app, they have an active interest in... Yeah. Photography. I, I, but I do see your point. I, I don't think it's a perfect environment. I just think it's a different environment, for better or worse. Yeah, that's fair. But at least it reduces the risk... I think for large companies to try new things. Yeah, fair enough. I, don't know. I uh, I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. All right. That's fine. We didn't need him anyway. <laughs> Darn. See you later, Colby. Yeah. Over it. All right. What are, um, what are we gonna talk about now that now that we got rid of him? Uh, and it was funny too. Just as he walked out, I was gonna give him uh, crap about something. But I'll give it to him when he gets back. Yeah, uh, why don't we move on to to picks? Uh, because we've we're almost at an hour. Um, time just flies. We didn't even get to all our stories, but that's okay. We never do. Um, Dan. Yes, sir. You've picked a movie. I picked a movie. That's yeah. That's great. And I and I will say, I I clicked on the link, took it to Amazon, and I got really confused because it said the name of a friend likes this on facebook it wasn't you it was someone else and i'm oh, like weird. how does amazon know and i'm like oh that's right because oh yeah knows. look at that yeah isn't that sp i wonder if it's the same person oh i have four friends that like this on facebook i just I'm have gonna, one i'm gonna like it now yeah that was really weird because i that this is the first time i'd ever seen that um, that spooked me out. But anyway, yeah, talk about your uh, your movie. Picks. Okay, so recently the person who directed this movie, so the movie's called Howl's Moving Castle. It's the only anime thing of any kind I've ever watched that I liked, and I loved it. I granted, so it was made by Miyazaki, who's a famous anime director. And I have not watched any of the other things that he's done, and I keep meaning to. So I need to do that. But recently he announced that he was retiring. So in in memory in honor of his career, which has been illustrious, uh, Howl's Moving Castle is this great movie. It's based on a book, like a physical book, like not an, not a manga, but a word book, a novel. Uh, yeah, just <laughs> couldn't quite get that one out. Uh, but I can't even describe this movie. It's like nothing you've ever seen, but. It's so weird, but at the same time, you, the characters are so likable and so instantly familiar uh, that 
the weirdness doesn't like most movies that are really weird are just weird like that's the only reason you'd watch it is because of how weird it is uh not the case for this one billy crystal is in it christian bale is also voicing so and i don't know who else but billy crystal's character is great highly recommend howl's moving castle i don't think it's on the netflixes but it's totally worth the purchase I'll never watch. <laughs> <laughs> Colby, I'll 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 set you up. How's that sound? Colby, I'll mail you a VHS right. copy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even better. Then, then I'll really never watch it. Colby, do you have a VHS a VHS player in your house? Yeah, I have three. Really? <laughs> That's just no. greedy. No. no. I actually I do have a VHS have one. player. Yeah. My parents probably still have one somewhere. You never know. Um, and if if our listeners are interested in Howl's Moving Castle, links to that and all our picks are on our website, don'tpanic.io. Don't bother search. Instead, go to our website, click about three things, and then click and go there. So it's a much better option. Um, and check it out. We get a referral link, so I think you should do it. Um, Colby, before you left, I was going to give you a crap uh, because our, our, um, I think I tried to send you a slingshot. Really? Are you on Slingshot? I was for a while, but got, it got annoying, so I deleted it. The, pro- the problem, so the problem, the problem I had with Slingshot is that I started using Slingshot like two weeks before they released it publicly. So like, I was getting like slings from like dozens of people at work that I was mildly friends. Like I sort of knew many of them. Like, and it was like I just didn't. I don't know. It's it started out being not the audience that I wanted to be sharing with, so I just stopped using it. All right. Well, then I'll stop waiting for my sling to come back. Yeah. Sorry. I was so so hurt. Maybe, All right. maybe I'll re-download it and and re- risk. You were the only friend of mine not said Colby. I said I'm gonna send him a sling. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna sling him. Uh, that doesn't sound right. Uh, Colby, why don't you talk to us about uh, the remastering of a classic? Um, yeah, so I'm pretty sure Dan has picked this before, but mm-hmm. I got a PS4, and one of the games I was waiting for was The Last of Us, because they redid it for PS4, um, and apparently it looks really nice. Uh, it does look really nice. I, I can't speak to how it looks in comparison to the old one, because I've never played the old one. Uh, that being said, as far as I can tell, it's like the same, but it's pretty amazing so far, so... You should go go buy it. It's fifty bucks, I think, forty nine ninety nine. Um, and there is a ten gigabyte initial download. Ten gigabytes. <sighs> yeah. Uh, oh, damn. That being said, <laughs> it freaked me out because at first it was like forty five gigabytes, and that was gonna take like four days. Um, yeah. Well, Destiny did this to us too. Yeah. 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 But. That's, they should make that clearer in the store. Like, yeah. like they, it's this big, but you only ha- have to download this much. Yeah, that, would, yeah. that would, I mean, not. It's not like I'm not gonna buy it. Right. But unfortunately, I feel like I've I've almost matched the cost of my PS4 in the games I've purchased for it wow. in the last like two how, months. How many did you purchase? No, I take that back. That's not true at all. 
I'm okay, up to fifty percent. Fifty percent the cost. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, Colby, if you buy games on your phone, they're just ninety nine cents. <laughs> yeah, but they're not fun. And they have at, plus in app purchases too. Then you're you're probably spending more. <laughs> yeah. Six hundred dollars on little Kardashians or whatever. I was I was about to say, what are you an A lister in the Kim Kardashian app yet? Should have made that my pick. Um, <laughs> no, I don't play that. Um, so for my pick this week, since we're doing media, Colby's got a video game, Dan's got a movie. I went with a TV show. So what if I told you there was a TV show that folks, including uh, Joss Whedon, um, sold, Judd sold. Apatow, uh, Seth Rogen, and hundreds of other comedians you know and love have declared one of their favorite things ever, a show the AV Club gave a rare A rating to. Do I have your interest? Yes. Well, yes. then I would highly recommend watching Nathan For You. It's a show on Comedy Central. Uh, it airs Tuesday nights at 10.30 after Drunk History, uh, if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> Drunk History is awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, stick around and watch this. It's half an hour, and it, it's kind of difficult to explain, but it's along the veins of... Uh, Borat would probably be the most famous example of a character playing to real people who don't know he's a character. <laughs> you know, kind of tricking unsuspecting people. So uh, Nathan Fielder, who's a comedian, he plays sort of a heightened version of himself and pretends to go around to help small businesses, usually getting them into ridiculous scenarios and, and kind of tricks them into doing weird things. I don't know if you guys remember Dumb Starbucks. I don't. This no. was like a big, it kind of came and went quickly, but this place that to get away with parody law oh, opened a dumb Starbucks. There was a dumb Frappuccino. yeah, yeah, yeah. And a, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, that was him for the show. Hmm. And that was this past week's episode. He did um, a really great example of an episode would be... Um, oh, I had one and I, and I lost it, which was really dumb of me. <laughs> dumb Sean Jennings. Yeah, well, thank you, Colby, uh, for pointing that out. <laughs> we'll, we'll let Overcast um, cut the silence out. Oh, so for example, he, he he went to an owner of a L.A. souvenir shop, and and to increase business, he said, "What if we made it look like there was a movie being shot here, like all the time, and we convinced people to come and be extras in the film, and told them as their role in the film, they had to buy souvenirs as background <laughs> actors, and then they would actually have to buy things." And it turned into this whole half hour just snowballing where he brought in a Johnny Depp impersonator <laughs> to come in. And like, and then he realized, like, so people couldn't get mad and try to return things, he actually had to make a film. And so he wrote <laughs> up a script to this terrible film with a fake Johnny Depp in it. And it just kept snowballing. They had, like, a Bill Gates impersonator who was the worst actor I've ever seen in my life come in. Um, and he ended up, like... But then having to avoid, like, getting in legal trouble, he had to, like, submit it to... It was this whole... And by the end of the half hour, you were just laughing hysterically because you're like, these are real people who are getting suckered into thinking, like, this is all real. It, it's just one of my favorite shows on television. Nathan for you, Tuesday nights at 10.30. Um, all the episodes are floating online, um, I think, on Comedy Central's website. And it's just really smart, really funny comedy. So I really recommend it. But you can get it on Comedy Central's website? And through their app. Oh, can I yeah. stream.it lied to me? Mm -mm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't have that listed. Um, yeah, it's not on any major... You can pay for it on Amazon. Right. But it's not as part of any streaming service at the moment. But it's so good, I would even say it's worth buying. That's how good sure, it is. Sure, yeah, I would pay for it. It's fine. So, uh, check that out. All right. Gentlemen, that's it. We did it. Hansel and Gretel found their way back. It's Didn't get eaten by the witch always. at the, the gingerbread house. <laughs> Oh, it wasn't a gingerbread house. It was a candy house. Don't sa- save your emails. It was candy. Although if you have feedback, Mark White fan. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't lie, Sean. No one's emailing. No. <laughs> but you certainly can contact at coffeeandbeer.tv uh, or don'tpanicshow at gmail.com. Either way, email us. Hit us up uh, at don'tpanicshow on Twitter. Uh, you can tweet at us there. We've had people tweet at us once or twice so that's always fun um and of course our website don'tpanic.io we do this mondays 10 p.m eastern 7 p.m pacific uh i recommend you watch in the coming weeks because we've got exciting stuff uh as dan goes on hiatus and colby may go on some amount of or none hiatus we don't know but we're gonna have guest hosts coming in over the next couple weeks i'm hoping um or we may just not do any shows who knows but that's part of the fun and why you should follow us on social media because you'll get the updates and you'll be able to say, oh, Dan's not here? Great. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, that's not, that's that not true. Forget about it. Um, so, yeah. So, stay stay with us. Uh, we appreciate you being here. We'll be back next week to talk more awesome tech. On behalf of Colby and Dan, I'm Sean Jennings. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week on Don't Panic. <laughs>